Hi, I'm Donovan. And I'm Matt. And this is... Blacklight the Spotlight. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Here we are. Thank you for tuning in. We are here for episode five, how to, how not to be an ally, part two. Uh, And I think Matt and I did not originally envision these episodes were going to be split into two. We thought it would be one normal size episode, but then we got in the recording room, in my uh, personal recording studio, and I just realized I had a lot to say. I had a lot to say on the topic of allyship. So here we are. So thank you for tuning in uh, for part two. So in our last episode or part one of this same series, um, I spoke a whole lot about um, allyship and about the journey uh, towards activism. And in the episode, we kind of broke down specific terms that we're going to be working with on our podcast. Uh, And we also spoke about my own experiences um, and what feels useful, what feels unuseful uh, in terms of being an ally. And I feel like it was the most vulnerable episode for me, but it was a lot of fun to do. You know, Donovan, what was actually really vulnerable was like, as soon as you hit stop recording on the episode, and then we talked about boys. (laughs) <laughs> i feel called out <laughs> oh you have you it, it is 2020 the term is called in thank you <laughs> <laughs> no you can rightfully call me out for that one <laughs> great you did speak a lot but that's because of the importance and the context of everything that is happening right now and i i think that black women being the backbone of this country is very important amen the other reason why i thought that was so funny about hearing you talk um a lot was because you're you're the money maker you're the breadwinner of our little couple (laughs) oh my god everybody in our focus group was like i love donovan's voice i'm like yeah but what about me (laughs) i am deceased thank you ithaca college thank you bfa training (laughs) before we kind of launch into what this episode is going to be about, we did want to break down the four terms we mentioned. So here are the four A's. These are the words that fall underneath the activism umbrella. Okay, so they are apprentice, step number one, then ally, step number two, step number three is advocate, and finally, step number four is activist. And for A stronger, greater understanding on the definitions of these words, we highly recommend. If you haven't already, go back and listen to our most recent episode in which we break it down and give you the opportunity to check in with yourself and assess where you are on your personal journey. Thanks so much for that, Donovan. You know, when you say the four A's, which I am excited to like move forward with that, but I think of like four Canadians just going, eh, eh, eh. You're such a weirdo. What a specific reference. All right. Well, so thanks for that. And Donovan, I, I loved learning so much. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff you and I had spoken about privately as friends, but it was great to see it all kind of come into this kind of neat package in the last episode and, and how it's a continuously evolving thing in terms of um, how to and how to not be an ally for Black women. Yes, honey, I am here. I am here to impart wisdom <laughs> to the best of my ability. Always, always. Um, 
And, you know, this being said, I'm, I'm excited to now talk about some of my own, um, under, underrepresentedness. Um, however, I want to, so for those listeners that are not aware, I like men. Um, I know. What? Matt, why didn't you tell me? The most shocking thing of 2020. (laughs) Now, with all this being said, um, I want to acknowledge that I still am a white cisgendered man, and that comes with a lot of privilege. Um, So uh, Donovan, my mom was, she was being lovely. She was listening to our episode last week. Um, Oh, cute. She's a doll. She's great. Um, (laughs) But she was asking, okay, cisgendered, what is that? Or cisgender, (laughs) what does that, what does that mean? So would you mind um, enlightening real quick? Yeah, for sure. I feel like this is a term I didn't learn until maybe only a couple of years ago. Um, But it means it's a term uh, meant to describe people whose gender identity corresponds with the sex that they were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And I think that's awesome moving forward with a lot of um, more of our gender nonconforming, non-binary and trans artists that we'll be having on the show with us. Um, So, uh, but anyway, it is, it's important to know that not all underrepresented groups have to deal with the same stuff. Some do have it far worse than others. And that's, I think, important for us to realize in our own journeys here. But I do want to talk, uh, in all seriousness, as serious as I can be, (laughs) about being a gay man um, in the entertainment industry, which is very interesting because on the one hand, especially theater, a lot of it is run by white gay men. Um, Whereas film, I was always taught... Uh, and now it's changing now, but I was always taught in college that film has what we call the male gaze. Again, fortunately, it's changing, but I think Hollywood is still, you know, kind of a, a straight boy's town. Even my two roommates in college, who I think were both film, um, are both straight cisgendered men. So, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Um, but, well, I shouldn't say there's nothing wrong with them doing that, but for the Hollywood industry and the theater industry to whether intentionally or not push very heteronormative stories is great for what it was back in the thirties and forties and fifties. It's come a long way. It could still go a lot further. And for me, you know, sure. We talked last episode about assuming you've seen a movie. If you belong to an underrepresented community, right? Like, Matt, what was the movie that you just saw for the first time the other day? Hocus Pocus. Heinous. That is heinous. Who are you? Are you even American? I know. So bad. (laughs) Especially as... So I worked for Disney for three years. Um, (gasps) I know. I know. I don't know why I didn't like this. Um, Why I never watched this movie. And then I realized it's probably because I was scared. Like, that that was the same. I hate scary movies. But give me a Jordan Peele movie any day because that and whoever directed The Shining, I forget who that is, that kind of suspenseful like thriller horror like that talks especially about social issues, that is the stuff I'm here for. I'm sorry. I just – I need to clarify. I have a clarifying statement. Ask for this. You're telling me that um, The Shining, one of the most famous horror movies of all the to- all time, is less scary than um, Hocus Pocus? No, 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 no. Like as a kid, Donovan, I watched The Shining like popping out of the womb. You know what I mean? Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> no, I, I think as a kid, I, I didn't like scary movies. Mm. Most gay men that I know love horror movies, and which is a whole separate topic in itself. And actually, well, actually, no, that's kind of important to bring up because, you know, I had an ex who loved horror. I read an article, I think, that said part of the reason this is, well, you can't really prove it, is because gay men felt very out um, out of sorts with their own communities, with their own families, like they were on the outside looking in. And they identify with, mm. with Pennywise. They identify with... Ooh jigsaw in a in a weird way and because i very fortunately was raised in a very my i don't think you know this donovan my grandfather is actually um openly gay uh which is i didn't know that oh you did know that oh interesting Mm -hmm. um you know but that's that's a whole nother thing too but i think that in watching those um because I was so brought very fortunately in an environment where I was never ostracized, never really felt left out. I mean, sure. Did I have crushes on boys or like thought they were hot in high school? Yeah. But I, I never um, felt like that. So maybe that's why or not turned on to horror movies because unfortunately a lot of my gay friends have had, you know, being kicked out of their houses and that kind of thing. Um, so uh, but I, I got shamed last year for watching for like never having seen Death Becomes Her, Meryl Streep, um, and Hype. I don't know. If, I don't think I've even heard of that. I think it's Goldie Hawn is the other one. It's so funny. Oh. It's so funny. Um, but sometimes you know I feel there's this again. It goes with the monolithing, right? Just because I came out when I was twenty doesn't mean I immediately started watching Angels in America you know (laughs) yes but 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 there are other things other stereotypes that do hold true i mean i love i love lady gaga i mean i love beyonce i mean these especially when i was in college these these women um were just amazing powerhouses so anyway um but i think that you know we'll go into this in a sec but not assuming monolithing when it comes to gay people is very important um and you know, I do have a bit of a frustration with lack of representation, even in 2020 and in the films that I was raised on from childhood to high school and beyond. Um, so Donovan, we just discovered this recently, but we both love a particular ABC show. What is it? Yes, honey, Lost. Yes, Lost. It's Which is still, I don't know, why do you like it so much? Oh, I I just think it's brilliant. It's so smart. I think the showrunners and the um the writers just went so above and beyond in creating this universe, the lost universe. And even I rewatched it in quarantine and my jaw was on the floor constantly over the things that they were able to accomplish. Yeah, certainly. And well, also it's such an inc- inclusive cast, but maybe this is going to go, maybe that point is going against what you're about to say. But that was one of the things I noticed right away. I noticed, wow, this is a very inclusive cast. You have an interracial couple, you have a white, cu- uh, excuse me, a couple from, oh, I forget where the Asian family. Korea. Right, I see. I was going to say Korea, but I want to be wrong. Um you know, you you had those stories, but you know what you didn't have of all those couples? You didn't have one gay couple. Mm-hmm. You didn't have you didn't have one gender nonconforming person. You didn't have one lesbian. Um and especially for an ensemble cast, 
where you care so much about these characters, even if they went off the rails on season five or whatever, <laughs> you care so much about them. And to, it's not even like we were watching a sitcom with four or five people. This was an ensemble of like 20 people and, and from all over the world. And you're telling me, and none of those people on that plane were gay. That, that is harmful. Um, but I will also say J.J. Uh, Abrams, who's in charge of the show with Bad Robot, took initiatives, I think actually after Lost was closed, in his company to um, say, hey, we're going to have a staff that is representative of the United States. And I think they went even percentage-wise. So we are going to have 51% women, 50 or whatever the 49% men. We are going to have whatever the Latino population is of the U.S. as a percentage, if not more, in the office we will have, you know, one in 10 gay people, whatever the stats were. I think I remember that. So good on J.J. Abrams. That's such an interesting point about loss. And that brings up, um, I guess, a lot of questions I have about it. Because like I mentioned, I did totally rewatch it, binge it in quarantine um, not too long ago. And I think it's so hard when we watch the shows of our childhood, because we realize that you know, they all were problematic in some way. Lost is such an interesting um, example, though, because Lost was known for being one of the most diverse, inclusive shows that uh, television had, that scripted television had ever seen, right? And I just, I remember thinking that in the moment, I remember thinking it even in quarantine when I was rewatching it. And so I guess what I wonder is, um, can we still celebrate those accomplishments while also highlighting the fact that it didn't totally rise to the occasion in some sense? Do you know what I mean? I, I, I guess I, I worry about um, in regards to cancel culture, like completely canceling something that did have something positive to offer. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? We could pick apart media and art for ages. I mean, there was a very interesting article, which I think is kind of true when I read it. Um, I read last week about even classical music being inherently, not inherently racist, but being inherently um, pushing a, 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 a white agenda doesn't sound right either, but, but pushing white supremacy, not in the evil like KKK way, but in, okay, well, who determines that that is what is classical versus mm -hmm. tribal African music being classical. You know what I mean? I mean, this is literally a conversation I'm having um, amongst myself and my the fellow alumni of my alma mater and current students, right? Because we think of, um, we look at the curriculum of what we're taught in, in theater history in the classes that we take, and it definitely pushes a white is right, white supremacist uh, narrative. And it says that anything that exists outside of that uh, lived experience is not quote unquote classical and who decided that white people. Right. Right. And I, I, so to answer your question about things like lost, you know, to obviously harken back to what is very current. I think that a show like lost, which frankly, in my opinion, has very few flaws. Many would argue plot, but I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't either. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I still, as a gay man, I still love lost. There are shows that are definitely, if even if not problematic, definitely like, oh, there are some cringeworthy moments that I guiltily still watch. I still watch How I Met Your Mother and I watch it for the heart. And surprisingly, Himyam is 
<laughs> that's the acronym for How I Met Your Mother. Ew, him, I hate no. that. <laughs> Surprisingly, How I Met Your Mother is much more progressive for gay people than I thought. But, you know, I'm like, okay, but it's still like five white friends and then Wayne Brady is the gay black brother. So, you know... Someone, I didn't even know that much. Wow. Oh, yeah. And it's... And, <laughs> And now, again, people listening might roll their eyes that I'm saying this show, but I do love that show, and I love it for Ted's heart. Does it? He's the main character. Um, does the show borderline on some misogyny? Absolutely. But I don't think we need to be canceling so many of these, at least more recent shows and films. Um, but yeah, should Song of the South not be on Disney? You bet. But then also... I'm sorry, but Star Wars, both the recent Star Wars, which I know you don't watch them, but the recent Star Wars films, there are these these two characters, Poe Dameron and Finn, yeah, Poe and Finn, who like, from the very first trailer, you see them lock eyes. And I'm like, oh my God. And this is from episode seven. I know this is lost on you, Donovan, but for the listeners, <laughs> this is the resurgence of, the re-resurgence of Star Wars um, from like four years ago, uh, four or five, whatever. And it's, and I'm like, cool. Oh, all right. Well, they're not going to do this for this episode. Great. Well, they'll do it for the next episode, episode eight. Nope. And then they did it for episode nine. And these two characters did not fall in love. Not only that, but they're like, oh, there will be a romantic relationship in the new Star Wars movie. That romantic relationship was two women kissing in the very end in the background. This is a fictional universe. In space, where else are we going to see opportunity, not even on Earth, for representation um, for representation for gay men? It was great that Finn was black and very important. Um, and honestly, the same thing with, unfortunately, a lot. even though I worked for them, a lot of Disney stuff, all of this is under the Disney umbrella. Um, you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have how many heroes, you know, and... Black Panther was incredible and is still one of my top 10 films of all time. Why do we not have more representational films like that? Is that coming up in phase four now? Yes, which is great. Why is it taking until the year 2020 for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have a gay superhero? Um, and it goes, list goes on and on. I One of the things we talked about, Donovan, is the lack of... Um, kids the lack of characters for kids to look up to elsa which we're still waiting for frozen three but elsa became overnight a gay icon like that song let it go i was sobbing because it's about embracing who you are for me elsa is like literally the safest person that you could have either come out or just happen to be gay in episodes excuse me in the sequel that just happened and frozen three coming up because all the kids love her already. It's a perfect example of, oh, we love this person and they're, and they happen to like a woman. So the other thing is, you know, watching a lot of these films, yeah, it's great. Cool. We have two moms in one stroller scene in uh, Finding Dory. I'm not a subtlety. When you say subtlety, do you mean like a minor character? Yes, that's correct. Gay people are not minor characters in real life so why are we treated as such in mainstream blockbuster films i don't get it and for for a company that has 
so many queer people working for them, like a ridiculous amount of queer people working for them and creating their content. Um, it's kind of saddening um, that there are not a ton of queer stories. Um, and if everyone's like, oh, we're going to rock the boat. Guess what? It's 2020. Rock the boat. So what? You're going to lose a few million from extreme you know, extreme groups that don't want to see a Disney princess kissing another princess. I guess I don't understand at this point, what's the risk? Well, there, I mean, there's a lot of risk when you look at, um, when you look at these power structures and you look at the gaze through which we're seeing things, right? Like I know on the last episode, you mentioned um, kind of the, the male gaze that's prevalent in Hollywood. Um, I think in particular with Disney, there's not only the male gaze, there's the um, straight heteronormative gaze. And then there's also the white gaze. Like I look at, um, I haven't had the chance of seeing the live action Mulan quite yet on Disney plus. Um, I, I don't know. I may eventually just cause I love me some Mulan. Um, but I think in the wake of it coming out, it was just so interesting to see uh, the people on my timeline of Asian descent who just ripped it apart and said that like, this is not my culture. This was very blatantly created with a white gaze and it causes harm. Hopefully conversations like this and the, these industries will start to wake up and stick to their guns of, of representing all people. Anyway, now we're going to talk, I'm going to talk about how not to be an ally um, for gay people and for, and now I'm using them for my own experience, uh, gay might also include LGBT plus, depending on how you interpret. So <laughs> some of it is actually, and I know, of course, you meant it as a joke, which I was totally fine with. But that um, pop culture shaming, um, you know, assuming monolith can can be harmful that, oh, you're gay. You must know what all these gay films. You must love Lady Gaga. Like, sure. I do. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, in regards to you not um, seeing Hocus Pocus, I'm not shocked. I didn't know that it was a um, a staple of gay culture. I'm more so shocked that um, you're a human who hasn't seen that movie. So <laughs> I know. carry on. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yes, yes, yes. And it is hard because a lot of times, of course, I play into stereotypes. Plenty. I I watched Judy Garland on my grandfather's couch from when I was like five years old, you know? <laughs> but here's another thing. This is one thing I love, Donovan. You, like when you assume that two to three gay people in your life will get along or that they should date because they're gay. Okay, just just for the record, Matt right now is using the royal you. He is not talking about me. No, true. <laughs> No. Let us clarify for the listeners. I have never made that assumption. No, of course, of course. No, but it's like, oh, Donovan, you're my black friend. I have a black cousin, and you guys would get along great. Oh, no. that's literally story of my life. Oh my gosh, my niece's husband's step nephew is gay, and you guys should go out sometime. I'm like, <laughs> should we? Show me a picture, and then we'll talk. Right. <laughs> no like i don't know that's that's one thing now here's another way to not be an ally donovan what do you think no, the number one question that every gay man gets asked um 
When did you first discover you were obsessed with Donovan Lockett? <laughs> yes. No, the, the answer is always. We, we were birthed thinking that. Amen. <laughs> no, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I know you love when I do that. What do you think the, the number one question that gay men get asked is? Are you a top or a bottom? Yes, that is exactly it. First of all, it is not your business. Second of all, if you're an apprentice that doesn't know what that means, that's a topic you can look up for yourself. It is a funny question, of course, and the jokes run rampant in the gay community. But like, you know, <laughs> for everyone's information, right now I am neither. <laughs> I'm stabbing myself in the eye right now. 2020 is the year of celibacy. Oh my God. I don't know him. No, but in all seriousness, like, nah, don't ask that question. Well, let's get even more specific because um, something I've been privy to for my um, gay male friends is most likely the reason they're asking isn't because they want to know. It's because they want to, um, they associate uh, being a top and being a bottom with specific character traits maybe. And they just want to know like what is true for you. So yeah, it's obviously, it's very invasive and inappropriate. And it's often um, an example of how the patriarchy exists in gay culture. True. True. And like Donovan, I'm not, I'm not asking you like all your comma suture positions you probably do. I don't ask you. <laughs> oh, amen. No. So anyway, that one went a slight tangent. Sorry, mom. Um, so, <laughs> Leslie, Leslie, she's cover your ears. She's the best. <laughs> um, no, here's another reason how to how to not be an ally. Um, I had a friend ask me, and the friend might be listening to the podcast. So if you do, I you know I apologize, but I don't. Um, saying that we can have our differences politically, and that you still love and respect me. And that you will march for me, that you will march for your black friends, but that you still plan to vote for Donald Trump. Now, I know that, I know that, um, again, we don't exist as a monolith. I know there are plenty of, not plenty, but, you know, a handful uh, population-wise of black people that will vote for Trump and a population of gay people that will vote for Trump. So, like, I'm not speaking, obviously, to those groups, but... 90% of my black friends and 90% of my gay friends will not be doing that. So so to say, hey, that, that is a, in my opinion, that is a very privileged statement. We can have our differences. Like, sure, that stuff was okay for Mitt Romney and George Bush. Maybe. This is beyond that. I've also had this same individual <laughs> tell me, a gay man, that Trump is the most pro-LGBT president in the history of the United States. It hurts. It hurts. Now, did this person provide me resources with things like one or two things that the administration has done for gay people? Of course. Has the administration done one or two good things for gay people? Sure. But 90% of the administration and the legislation, including apparently this week, um, a potential repeal of Obergefell, however you say it, gay marriage. Like, do I think it's going to happen? No. Am I married now? No. Do I have a lot of friends that are married and gay? Yeah. So you want to vote? That's one thing. You want to vote for Trump? I get it. Whatever. Well, I don't, but <laughs> um, but to say that you will march for me and to say you will acknowledge our differences and you you will march for your black friends and that you can still vote for Trump, uh-uh. you don't get to have both. I'm sorry. See, 
by this is where this is where Matt and I have um, <laughs> disagreed on this topic, yeah. right? And I don't know this friend, so I can say because I don't know this person. That's trash. That take is trash. It's heinous. It's harmful. Um, and for me, for the people in my life who have done the same thing, who have said, you know, oh, I love and respect you, um, but I still have to vote for Trump. I don't have time for that, and I cut those people out. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I encourage all of my friends to do the same, but if you feel like you have time uh, to keep those people in your life and educate them, you know, do you? But for me, no, we don't have time for that. Yeah, certainly. And again, that's another thing where we where we have slightly disagreed, and that's totally okay. Am I going to like be all rosy with this person when I see them? No. <laughs> um, am I probably going to distance myself? Yeah. Will I cut them out of my life? Mm, probably not. But. I, I very much respect my friends um, that either don't have the time for it or do have the tolerance for it. <laughs> but anyway, so this and this one is how not to be an ally, but it's super funny. And it's from one of my dearest friends um, in high school who I, who I will talk about on the flip side just after this. So I went to high school. I'm still close with a lot of my buddies from high school. Uh, they're all straight. I'm in a fantasy football league with them and I'm losing right now. Uh, I love that for you. <laughs> yeah, but they're very these are the guys that did we all did the musicals together and we all and they were all on the soccer team. Like it's kind of a strange mix of of friends and they're wonderful. Um but they I had one of them ask me, I think the year or two after I came out. This is like a, a guy I like grew up with. He goes, So like of your buddies, like who do you find the most attractive? And I'm like None of you. Y'all are idiots. That's hilarious. <laughs> One of my favorite questions to ask is, um, in, like regarding athletes and sports, which one is your ideal type of man? So, like, are you into um, soccer people, basketball players? Like, what's the deal? I, I mean, I guess, I guess footballers are like, like, like wrestling, probably wrestling or football. Wow, you love the hunky, hunky ones. Yes. Um. Hunky is in the eye of the beholder, Donovan. <laughs> Some people like the chorus boys. <laughs> oh my god! So yes, or some people likes the guys that were in the on the swim team. Um, I don't know who knows. <laughs> All right, Michael Phelps. I know, right? No, he's so tall, too tall. Just your type, Donovan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trees. <laughs> you know, for someone who doesn't like the Hobbit, you're very Hobbit-like in your height. <laughs> I may be, I may be Hobbit-like in stature, but I have a tall personality, so it's all that matters. Yes, and I'm also <laughs> Hobbit-like. Um, I had like hair on my feet, and I think seventh grade, and people called me Hobbit. It was great. <gasps> That's really tragic. These same, it's the same guys that are like now my my very close friends. <laughs> I love that fact about you, Matt. And I guess my question is, growing up and you being kind of what sounds like the token gay guy in your friend group, um, were you able to witness? Uh, allyship from your friends, either in a positive or, or negative manner? How did they do regarding that? <laughs> well, certainly none of them did bad. Um, I grew up in um, Berks County, Pennsylvania, and it's a very um, it's a very purple zone. It's kind of a very U.S. microcosm. Like this county voted for Obama, then voted for Trump. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, vote if you're in Pennsylvania and you're a listener. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... Uh, and I shouldn't say that all like I have a lot of friends that are that are women from high school as well. And from my class, there are about 10 gay people. Um, but 
uh yeah i definitely am the, the like kind of the token one in that male friendship group um and the answer is yes um they have all been i wouldn't say for me i consider this allyship um if we're talking in terms of our podcast it's definitely more apprenticeship but for me i felt very allied um and again it goes with monolithing and how you and i both like to have people reach out my friend daniel Ooh, shout out yeah hey dan (laughs) um he's probably worried about fantasy football because he's doing really well right now um (laughs) so my friend daniel uh checked in on me as soon as so you remember when trump was elected um and it felt like someone had died um i remember yes (laughs) um I remember walking down the street in Philly and it was just raining and every person I looked in the face of looked like someone had died in their family. It was awful. My personal life did not feel extremely impacted. Thank God. But I had the privilege to say that. And Dan checked in on me. He texted me out of the blue, a straight friend of mine and said, Hey, um, I know obviously last night and today is so hard. How are you doing? And this is the guy that was the goofball. I mean, one of the guys that was just a goober in high school and and still is. And to hear that, it still brings tears to my eyes that he had the the thought to to see, you know, LGBT people, underrepresented people are hurt by this. And how are you doing? So right. and that and that was, I'm not gonna lie, that was the same friend back when I came out that was like so which of us is attractive? Um, <laughs> I think it was him. Sorry, buddy, if not. Um, same thing with my, you know, my first came out. I didn't tell my parents. I told my friends, Andrew and Natalie. And instead, we'll use Pax's term. I didn't come out to them. I invited them in. I invited Andrew and Natalie in. And I told them, you know, just told them, hey, I think I'm bi or I think I like guys. I don't know. And they literally just said, Okay. Or, you know, even actually today, I'll give you one more. Um, My friend Rob, who I just did a great fantasy football trade with, hopefully it'll keep my record. He, like the guys know that I'm very into Gronk, like Rob Gronkowski, who's like very much a meathead frat boy, but like totally my type. Um, And, you know, he's a tight end for uh, the Buccaneers. Okay, I was going to ask. I have no idea. (laughs) I said, okay, I'll trade you like this guy and Gronk. He goes, I wouldn't touch Gronk with a 10 foot pole. I said, I would, but not, when <laughs> but not when it comes to fantasy. And he didn't say, oh, or oh, gross. He laughed. You know what I mean? Like, and that simplicity of being an ally just by accepting your friends for who they are and where they're at, that's for me, like, that, that stuff is great. Um, and you know, I have one friend now, I don't know how this friend would feel about this. So I'll I'll leave this friend nameless who, um, consider themselves very much a a pretty staunch Christian. And when I came out to them, um, they said, you know, it was very much kind of love the sin or or love the sinner, hate the sin. And no, 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 wait, no, wait. Now that friend was a dear friend and, and still is. And that person did a complete 180 by, and they, they texted me this, this year, they didn't do a 180 this year. They did a 180 actually shortly after that, or, but they 
progressed in their views. And they said, you know, by knowing you, I'm able to come more into myself as who I am. And I'm able to know what, you know, what Christian's actual or Jesus's actual um, teachings are, which is just love and, and accepting you. And I am so sorry if I got, I mean, that person texted me that out of the blue this year. And it was really beautiful to see that. Um, so that for me, those are great ways to be allies. Um, you can also, I mean, hear our stories and freaking represent us in TV shows and movies um, more so than, yes, it's gotten a lot better, but it, it can it can go a lot further in terms of mainstream. Also, and this is another subtle thing. So yes, do I want us to be the main character? Of course. But also like in musical theater, you look at these ensembles for most of musical theater I don't want to see like men and women doing a waltz if they're not alongside men and men or women and women or non-binary people and men and whoever. I get it. I guess if it's an opera or like something super old, but what about dancing partners? Like seeing pairs of dancers that are not just in a heteronormative relationship on stage would be a small thing and amazing, especially because most of the men of the cis men that are dancers that I know are gay. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and here's, I mean, the list goes on of how ways you can be an, an ally or can be an apprentice for gay people. Um, cast all types of gay men, not just chiseled and white, you know, okay. show gay kids characters. They can see themselves in movies and cartoons. Um, vote, 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 vote. And don't do this third party stuff. Don't do this, oh, I'm going to just see, or, well, I align with Trump economically, but everything else socially. Nah. Foolish. Foolish. Vote. And no, like, if you want to call yourself a friend to me and to a lot of other underrepresented people and BIPOC individuals, vote and vote for Joe Biden. And then we'll hold his feet to the fire for a lot of the other stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and to be clear, when we say, I'm assuming this is what you mean, yeah. don't vote third party. We don't mean um, in general. Um, in right. fact, you, right. you know, if, if you're an independent and you're interested in um, getting kind of your party's platform in the national um, sphere, voting third party in local elections is totally fine. But yes. regarding yes. the national election and presidential election, there it's just it is just a waste of time and is actually actively harmful. Yes. And Donovan, thank you for that because I like I myself, you and I were just talking about politics. I have been a little um I am getting a little mistrustful of the system personally, of this bi-party system. And I wish we were more like Europe where we have multiple parties. And I don't know enough about it, but yes. Thank you for that, because that's important. Um, you can also do it, you know, Donovan says, donate to LGBT plus organizations, you know, invest in in queer theater companies that are not, now queer theater company does not mean necessarily like, like run by white, like older white gay men, which is a lot. Queer theater company is, and maybe we can bring them onto the show, um, Jaffe St. Queer Productions. Is that there, Donovan? What show did we see? Lizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Lizard of Oz. We saw this gorgeous cast um, of all shapes and sizes and creeds. And, and everyone was just not just chiseled white gay men. It was gorgeous. I, that is what 
I mean by like a queer organization. Um, encourage your churches and your places of worship to be open and affirming. Um, Donovan and I are both, I'm like Catholic-ish, like more identify as Christian. Are you raised Catholic or you still identify as Catholic? Yeah, I'm Catholic. Yeah. So like I, th- some Catholic churches I've been to are super welcoming. Some, eh, not so much. So like encourage your places of worship to be open. Um, take away the stigma against gay men playing like pro football. Like there's, you know, there have been some that have come out of the the woodwork or professional sports in general. Um, so yeah, those are a lot of the ways in which to be a better ally for, for gay men. Um, and many times also for the LGBT, LGBT and the queer community, uh, in general. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think the final question that I have for you is we we've hit a little bit about, um, maybe some toxicity that exists within your own community, um, due to people who haven't been able to tear down the power structures that still exist. So I guess I'm wondering, do you have any insight specifically, um, for gay men to make sure that they are continuing to tear down heteronormativity? Oh, 100%. Um, that is to particularly look at the work of, um, I want to devote almost an entire episode to Ryan Murphy um, because mm. I think Ryan Murphy is awesome, but I also think Ryan Murphy's a little, I keep hating to say the word problematic, but like maybe a little tone deaf in ways. Ryan Murphy is in charge, for those that don't know, Ryan Murphy's in charge of, you know, or has had a hand in Glee, American Horror Story, American Crime Story, um, Pose, oh, what's the recent one, Hollywood, um, there's you know, one on Netflix, Hollywood. Uh, Ratchet. Did he do that? Oh, did he do Ratchet too? I didn't know. Yeah, he did. I'm looking, looking it up right now. Oh, we love instant, instant technology. See another one. <laughs> I think Ryan Murphy has created this incredible, starting with Glee to my memory, incredible space for queer people to come. However, until the show pose, which is incredible i think that is the most important show yeah i'll say it that's like the most important show on television in my opinion um which talks a lot about ballroom culture so i think the advice i have for gay men in terms of advocating for their community is to acknowledge that a lot of our vocabulary a lot of our lexicon you know our yas queen or okay honey or though that might just be cardi b derives directly from black and brown trans women associated with ballroom culture. So I think acknowledging shows like that is the advice I have for gay men that want to do intersectional allyship and should. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's my, and in terms of advocating for yourself, you know, just keep being who you are and not worrying about what others think. So yeah. Does that answer your question? Yes, that was beautiful and inspirational. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we did want to give an acknowledgement as we kind of wrap things up. Re-acknowledge, rather, allyship and apprenticeship um, must be made and had for dozens of groups, especially as Donovan said, if they're intersectional. And there's more on that in the future. Thank you so much for listening to part two of this episode that we did not realize was going to be a part two. Uh, 
like I said in the last episode, these conversations are obviously near and dear to our hearts. But uh, that being said, they they are often messy and difficult to talk about. So uh, thank you for joining us kind of in this journey together. And to kind of wrap things up about the terms we presented to you, um, whether you are an apprentice, whether you're an ally, whether you're an advocate or an activist, uh, thank you for joining this journey with us. And if you want to continue the conversation, if you have any questions about anything that we have said, we hope you will reach out. We have both an Instagram and a Facebook. Our Facebook is at Blacklight the Spotlight. It's one word. Um, feel free to reach out to us there or on Instagram. And the handle is at Blacklight underscore the underscore spotlight. Thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing more from you soon. Bye.